0: Good afternoon again. It's good to be with you today, and um, do be assured of our prayers at Mighton for the church here at Canworth and my prayers as well. Pray for the church. It's nice to be here, not just to know that it exists, but actually to see you see you all here as well. Well, Psalm 1. Uh, do you, yeah, keep your Bibles open to that passage. We're going to be looking at uh, this afternoon. I mentioned at the beginning that I've got uh, I've got children and it was probably about four years ago where our oldest son was probably about six months old and we had quite a long car journey to make any journey with a six-month-old in the back feels long but it actually was quite a long journey and um, it was one of those days very similar today a hot day you can hardly touch the steering wheel it's so hot boiling in the car and uh, precious firstborn, you know is, is he in the right amount of layers do we need a fan in the back is everything gonna be okay but the journey was going quite well and we, we had maybe 30 minutes left to the journey and then we had one of those Google Maps moments I, I don't know if you've had one of these where you you're not quite sure which way Google Maps is telling you and you've got to make a decision pretty quickly whether you're going to turn off the motorway or carry on have you had that and um, my wife, Charlotte, she said, "No, you stay on, stay on." The... And I said, no, "No, no, no, This is the moment we need to turn off." And it got a little bit more heated. As the, in many ways, it was hot in the car. But it got heated in the front. Which way are we going to go? Which way are we going to go? And um, she's not here today, so I could pretend that I got it right. But I think it was probably me that that turned off. And um, well, you hope that it's going to reroute the satnav and say similar ETA. But actually, it added 50 minutes onto the journey. We hit a traffic jam. Sun in the back, crying more and more, the car turned into more of a furnace. Oh dear, not so good. But actually, um, and I know know there's probably 5% of people in the room who are tapping their neighbours, and that's why I don't use Google Maps. That's why, you know, it's all up here. We don't need it at all. Maybe that's you. But of course, in that split-second decision, I I needed to make a choice, didn't I? (laughs) The, The right way or the wrong way? The way that led to blessing, arriving on time, child not crying, or the way of misery, sweltering heat, traffic jam, crying baby, and the rest of it. I've already hinted at it. As we open the book of Psalms, looking at Psalm chapter 1 today, we're confronted with two distinct paths, two ways to live. A way that leads to blessing and a way that leads to, well, the psalmist will say destruction. The way of the good life, the way of the wicked. So we hear those options laid out. I mean, I'm guessing for the majority of us, it's, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Oh, of course I want to choose the way of blood. Of course I want to choose the good life. <laughs> but as I say, I'm a visitor here today, and I don't know Many of you, there might be some that just come through the door today and currently you're not walking that path. You're walking the other path. You don't really want anything to do with God in your life. You just stumbled in the room today. Well, I hope this will be helpful for you this afternoon. Maybe others of us are, yes, we're walking along the right path, but oh, we're sorely tempted. Maybe a teenager or another stage of life, sorely tempted to veer off the way of blessing. And perhaps more of us are in another category where we know that walking in God's way is the right way. Yeah, we know that's the correct way. But maybe it doesn't feel like the most satisfying way, <laughs> most fulfilling way to live. Oh yeah, we know it's right, but is it the best possible life following God in that way? Well, let's read through, through this passage together. It breaks down pretty simply three things that we see coming out of it. The first thing, verses 1 to 3. Then our next slide is the way of blessing. The way of blessing, verses 1 to 3. Um, if you're on social media, all the time you see people use that hashtag, don't you? Hashtag blessed. And you see maybe the holiday pictures of their sandals, you know, with a, a pool and a beautiful sunset. Hashtag blessed. Or, you know, the the engagement ring, Uh, finally he asked, you know, we're getting hitched next year, hashtag blessed. People use that kind of thing all the time. But what does the psalmist say about being blessed? What does the blessed life, the good life, look like? Well, there's a negative, a positive, and then a picture. Did you see that negative in verse 1? Have a look down. Negatively, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, Or stand in the way sinners take, sit in the company of mockers. In other words, the the blessed person lives differently. The blessed person lives distinctly from the world around them. They're going to not walk in step with the wicked. The, The wicked here mean all those who stand against God and oppose God. The blessed person won't align with that way of living. Now, does that mean that all of you here today need to kind of sell up and stop renting your houses and we all sort of move to a forest somewhere out Kenilworth and oh, there's no pollution there and everyone's holy and it's, and it's all Christians? It? No, no, it doesn't mean that. <laughs> it doesn't mean that. But it is a wake-up call to remind us that we're different if you're following Jesus. We're not to be overly shaped or, or overly influenced by the world, by those who oppose God. And who mock God. A number of people have pointed out the, the trajectory or the slippery slope of verse 1. Did he see that as well then? The way that the verbs describe walking and then standing and then sitting. It's kind of a more permanent way of living in that way. Negatively, just getting more and more used to the way of the wicked. So negatively then, that first Thing, blessed person doesn't live like that. Instead, positively, verse two. Did he see verse two? The positively, they are to delight in the law of the Lord, meditate on His law day and night. You notice it doesn't say that this person reads or studies the law, but delights. Literally, desires, pleasure is in the law of the Lord. Now, what is the law of the Lord? Is it the Ten Commandments? Yes, but it's more than that. It's kind of all that God has shown us about the way he's redeemed us. For, for us, it's the whole of the Bible, we could say, speaks into this category. And we are to delight in it. To, to delight in this book that elsewhere in the Psalms will say, oh, it's sweeter than honey. It's more precious than gold. It's a lamp unto our feet. It revives the soul. I don't know if you saw um, the coronation service a month or so ago. I'm just It's a preacher's dream when this kind of thing happens, and they kind of rinse the illustrations for as long as they can for this. But did you see that what was said when um, King Charles was handed the Bible? Sir, receive this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. Here is wisdom. This is royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. The whole world watching this coronation ceremony, and they give him this book, and they say, this is the most precious thing in the whole world. What an amazing thing on TV, mainstream TV. And they're right. See, the good life is not just rejecting the way of the wicked, but positively, it's it's delighting in in the word, in the Bible, and also meditating on it. That's not a sort of Buddhist, you know, sort of emptying of the mind, you know, la, 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 I'm going to meditate. It's it's not meaning that here. Actually, the Hebrew word that's used for meditating is is, is kind of vocal. It's declaring, speaking the ways of the Lord, the words of the law. We are to linger on it, dwell on God's words. And so the person who who rejects the the way of the wicked positively delights in the law of the Lord. We're told in this picture, did you see, Is like a tree. A tree planted by streams of water that produces much fruit. We get that picture, don't we? Someone who's like a tree, they're not going to be moved, are they? (laughs) No matter what life throws at you, they are solid and firm because they put down deep roots into the word of God, the Bible. You see also at the end of verse 3, whatever they do, we're told, prospers. Now, what do we do with that? (laughs) Do we say that if we live in this way, if we obey God's word, then life will, will just go brilliantly for us? We'll have a Ferrari on our drive in the morning. You know, our stocks and shares will will be brilliantly sort of in the future. Our, our life will be easy. Does it does it mean that? Does it mean that? Well, no. <laughs> we know life too well, don't we, for that? Remember, this isn't law. It's poetry. And, and actually, as Christians, we know that ultimate blessing, prosperity truly comes in the life to come, life after death, with the Lord forever. At this point, it's worth pausing and asking this question, isn't it? What, what voices are we listening to? What are we most influenced by in terms of hearing? Am I being more shaped, we could ask, by, by the word, verse 1? Sorry, by the world, verse 1, or by the word, verse 2. Perhaps you know in your life you're spending um, time in someone's company, Uh, someone who's just constantly, subtly undermining your Christian faith. Someone who's dragging you away from what you believe. Their voice is dominant. There's maybe a challenge here for that. Not saying that we need to all retreat to that forest in the middle of nowhere away from anyone else. But we might want to think about who we spend most time with, who we're influenced by, shaped by. Can we apply to the whole area of smartphones as well, can't it? Technology <laughs> in this way. Whether we acknowledge it or, or not, you and I are being shaped more by what we listen to and what we read and, and digest than we probably care to admit. Whether that's, I uh, Generationally, there might be a divide here, whether it's uh, the endless scrolling through TikTok or scrolling through work emails or 24-hour news. I don't know what it might be. But these things aren't neutral. We're shaped by the adverts, by the, the stories, the voices that we listen to most. And they can well, undermine our faith and, and our listening to Jesus' words over time. We just need to be aware of that, the psalmist would say came across this quote, actually, just the other day as I was preparing this. And an American blogger put it like this. He said, sadly, most of us are likely among the 80% of smartphone users who check their phones within 15 minutes of waking up. That's orientating your hearts towards the things of this world. You're about to spend the whole day in the world. You really need to begin by seeking the things which are above. Gulp, (laughs) as I read that. You know, first thing in the morning, the alarm goes off and then, oh, you know, onto the phone and 20 minutes later, oh, what, am I still reading it? What, am I, what have I even read? What have I engaged with? I'll say more later about how we might cultivate that delight, that meditation on God's word. But for now, I mentioned my wife Charlotte. Just imagine if I, um, if I never listened to her. It <laughs> be strange, wouldn't it? Wouldn't be ideal in many ways if I never listened to what it was that delighted her, that she loved. Or if, if I never listened to what it was that frustrated her or, or displeased her. What kind of marriage would that be? <laughs> Wouldn't be a particularly good one, would it? And the honest truth is without time listening to God, without time delighting in him, treasuring, drinking in his words might sound blunt, but you're, you're simply not going to grow as a Christian. You're not going to be like that tree, solid, next to the streams of water, if you're not spending time with him in the Bible. Well, the way of blessing is not walking in step with the wicked, but delighting in God's word. Picking up the pace a little bit. The second thing that we see is this, the way of wickedness. And there is a contrast, I don't know if you saw it when it was being read out, between the the way of blessing, of prosperity, and the path of, well, the opposite path, the way of wickedness. Look down at verse 4. We're told they're not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. I don't know if some of you have to travel a little bit in and out of, uh, of Kenilworth. Maybe you go past fields and fields of... Of kind of barley and, and wheat and it's probably in a few months time isn't it a month or so when when actually it's going to be harvest time and you see the machines come and what they do they take off all the the husks the chaff and they just take it off don't they as they go past with the machine and spit it all out uh, into the back of the of the trailer i don't know much about farming it's probably quite obvious from what i've just said maybe that's i'll, I'll stop there but we know that happens doesn't it uh, those bits of of husk of chaff they they just go don't they They're worthless, they're without weight. Of course, that's a complete opposite picture, isn't it, of the tree planted by streams of water. Yet it doesn't always feel that way round, does it? Psalm 73, the the psalmist there asks, you know, why does it look like the, the person who is wicked, who hates God, why does it look like their life flourishes and prospers when my life doesn't? The psalmist asks that. Maybe we think that through, we, we maybe look at our, our neighbours or our, or our colleagues who don't follow God, and their life seems sorted, their life seems easy, prosperous even. Have a look at verse 5, though. Therefore, though, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. puff when it comes to eternity don't know if any of you have been at a funeral recently but I've been to a few where they, they have at the end of the funeral service Frank Sinatra blasting out don't they I did it my way it's a nice tune good song to sing along to but many live their life in that way I did it my way God nah don't need him Well, the psalm finishes and our third point sees where that all leads. A parting, thirdly, of the ways, verse 6. In many ways, this is a summary of the the whole psalm. We've seen two ways to live, but there's also two ways to die. Two contrasting outcomes. Did you see in verse 6? For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction was well, a great encouragement here for the Christian, but also a, a warning for those who don't believe. Uh, the encouragement, did he see is that he will watch over your life. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful if you're a Christian? The Lord God, he will watch over your life. Psalm 121 puts it, he will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. The Lord watches over you every day. Isn't that great assurance for us there's also a warning the way of the wicked leads to destruction it's actually a pretty familiar pattern in in the Bible and in, in Scripture Jesus in Matthew 7 I think we have on the screen now uh, puts it like this he says enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction Many enter through it. But small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few will find it. It's pretty blunt, pretty stark. There are only two paths. There are only two ways to live. See, it's possible to have everything in this life, to to have status and career and a house and a gorgeous family and everything in this life. Yet to be heading down the path of destruction. Or as Jesus would put it, how? Chaff. Whew. Gone. Yeah, the good news is this afternoon, whatever life you have lived, the path of life, the path of blessing, is open to, well, it's open to all of us. But How? <laughs> How? See, at this point, I could just say to you all, make sure that you're on the right path, okay? Make sure you're on the right path. Read your Bible a bit more than you are. Uh, don't, don't be bad. Don't be wicked. And um, Well, it's nice visiting you today. I'll see you in a, you know, a couple of years' time, and, and I can go home. The only problem is that that wouldn't be a Christian sermon. <laughs> that would be a Christless sermon, and that's not going to help anyone. See, the haunting thing is, as we read Psalm 1, we're hit by the honest realisation that, that often we look more like the sinner. Often we fail to read God's word, let alone delight and meditate on God's word. If the answer today is, well, come on guys, just try a bit harder, read your Bible more, don't be bad, and then we should probably be okay, well, that's no use. That's the way of moralism. See, as we look at these verses, and if we're honest in our hearts, we say, am I the person of Psalm 1? (laughs) In the first instance, no. You're not. I'm not. Yet there lived a man who was all of the things of Psalm 1. And his name is Jesus. See, Jesus is the only person who could say these Psalm 1 words with complete integrity. He is the only man who has ever lived this life out perfectly. And so as we read these verses Christianly, as this, we read the Psalm Christianly, we see that all blessing rests on Jesus. He is the blessed man, the blessed one of Psalm 1. And it's only when we put our faith in him... That we too can enjoy the blessing of God. That's what George shared about in his testimony, wasn't it? Oh, he can't get that on his own. But it is joined, united to Christ. All the blessings of Psalm 1 fall on him. So the take home this afternoon is not, don't be wicked, be good. Rather, the take home is this rejoice in Jesus the righteous man of Psalm 1, your saviour, your friend, the one who gives you the Holy Spirit to help you, to to guide you, to to help you live along that path and that walk of the life of righteousness. Can you see how Jesus makes this psalm such good news for you and I today? So as Christians resting in Jesus' righteousness for us, as Christians led by the Holy Spirit, the question is this, how might we cultivate in our lives true delight in God's word so that we can live lives of rich purpose and value? Let me briefly just apply this to, to three groups and then tell a story and then I'll be done. Okay, I promise? Three little groups just to apply this very briefly. Firstly, to individuals, that's all of us, I guess, here. Look, life is, I'm sure for many of us, very, very busy. Maybe you've got a million and one things on your plate. What might it look like for you this week to delight in God's words, to meditate, to dwell on the words of the Bible? For some, it might just be, in all honesty, setting the alarm clock ten minutes earlier, (laughs) just getting up a little bit earlier to read the Bible, to sort of beat the day a little bit. I find a black coffee in my hand helps me to do that if it's early in the morning. Maybe it's, for others, we're on a commute into work on the train, or maybe driving into uh, to work, maybe just listening to the audio Bible, just a chapter, or maybe two chapters, rather than listening to the radio, whatever it might be. Just to start your day in that way that, I guess, puts God first before everything else kind of descends on us. There's loads of great resources out there, aren't there, to help us if we're feeling out of our depth with Bible study. Do chat to, to Wayne or Lucy or someone else here, and they'll point you in the direction of good stuff you can read. Second little application to group, though, for a whole church, for you here at KCC. See, instead of sitting in the, the company of mockers, we are to gather in the assembly of the righteous, the psalmist says. Of course, there's a balance. It doesn't mean we only spend time with Christian friends and people that are like us here. And I'm not saying that. But we will want to prioritise meeting with God's people. Coming here on a Sunday afternoon, or maybe as you heard about the house group, thinking, "Yeah, I do want to be part of that." That sounds like a place where I could dwell on God's word and meditate on that together. That, yeah, that sounds helpful. Again, do chat and get involved in those. I've found those really beneficial over the years. And I guess in the summer months, as the beautiful sunny evenings go on a long time, and maybe we. Think, oh, I just want to sit in my garden tonight and just have a, you know, just have a drink and read a book and, and maybe curl up and, and not bother going out. No, it's, it is good to get along to the house group. It's tempting not to, but it's all, you never come at the end of the evening and go, oh, yeah, you know, I wish I had missed it tonight. No, no one ever says that. It's good to always go along, even if we're tired. And then third little group, uh, to families here today. Maybe I've missed the mark if, if a lot of the families are away, but I'll say it anyway. If you're a parent here, are you are you encouraging your kids to delight in God's words? Are you modelling your own need for God's words, your own delight in Him, dependence on Him? Are you able maybe to open up the the Bible with them at some point, maybe before bed or around the family dinner table or whatever it might be? as I mentioned, I've got three preschoolers and, and trust me, it looks like an absolute train wreck. Sometimes when I open the Bible with them, someone will spill milk over their sister's pyjamas and you know, someone else will do a burp halfway through the Good Samaritan and descends into tears. You know, that often happens. It often looks like a train wreck, but oh but boy, it's worth it. It's worth doing that. Putting down roots into God's word. Maybe you think today, well it's a bit late for me and my family now, I've missed I've missed that. I don't think it is. (laughs) Just a few verses, starting with that maybe. Those are individuals, church, families. Let me just share a story as I finish. A couple of years ago, I went out to Uganda and helped at a a Bible college uh, out in Uganda, uh, helping with a preaching conference out there. And a lot of the, the people that come and train at this college don't have a Bible that they've ever owned themselves. Maybe that sounds kind of surprising that they're coming to study at a Bible college to be pastors. They've never owned their own Bible. But actually part of this conference was one of the first things we did at the beginning was to hand them. We took a load of Bibles out on the plane, handed them their own Bible, and oh wow, they treasured it. And... Um, I didn't see it, but a friend of mine did. That one, one evening out there, he was going to bed at 10, 10.30 at night. It was dark outside. And he saw one of these guys with a chair outside under a street lamp. And he had his new, pristine, new Bible out. And his head was in it. There was no one else in the world to him. He, he was there, and he was looking through it. And, um, and my friend just was walking past. He didn't interrupt him, and he just thought, well, I wish I had that kind of delight desire last thing at night to freshly examine and study and linger on god's word and maybe we feel that a little bit today perhaps we've got 10 different translations of the bible in our house on the shelf (laughs) or on the internet we've got it haven't we on our apps but actually wouldn't it be great if we had that the desire of that young man who had his new bible out just scanning it looking treasuring it delighting in it that would be a great thing to pray for us this week. Be struck by that again. Why don't I pray, and I hum back over, Father? This psalm is uh, is quite blunt, straight talking, to show us these two paths, two ways to live. But Lord, we do need Your help to carry on in the Christian life, to keep walking this path of blessing pray that, Lord, if we're tempted to veer off the, the path of righteousness, maybe with someone today, we can just share that with them and perhaps pray about these things. Maybe for some of us, it's been weeks, months, years since we've had good practice of opening the Bible and, and hearing from God in his word. And I pray that even today, this might just be the spark that ignites wanting to do that again, to listen to your voice, to, look like, to, to know what it looks like to be like that tree producing fruit. So Lord, may your word not be snatched away today, but may it take deep root in our lives to change us to trust in Christ more and to be more like him. We pray this in his name. Amen.